Hello, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Gas South District's That's the Ticket, the ultimate podcast exploring all things Gas South District and a source for insights to events on campus and discussions on the wider entertainment and tourism industry. Please welcome the host of our show, Stan Hall, CEO of Gas South District and Explore Gwinnett. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of That's a Ticket Podcast. We appreciate you being with us. As you can well imagine, everything we do at Gas South is based on events. So today we're going to talk about the industry of live events, including the venues, tours, and more with Dan Markham. Dan is Gas South District's Executive Director of Arena Booking and Management. Dan, welcome to the show. We appreciate you being with us today. Thanks, Dan. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So, Dan, let, let's just start this conversation off. Let's talk about the state of events, uh, the, the state of the state, if you will, concerning events industry as it stands today. And tell us a little bit uh, how things have changed since you first started this. And when, when exactly was that, Dan, when you did start? Well, I don't like to go back to the official date. <laughs> I try to keep it uh, general. But I've been actually doing this for almost 40 years I go back to the early 80s, um, and you're right. The, uh, the the state of the industry itself has changed quite a bit mm-hmm. since I first started. Yeah. Um, I would have to say it's probably, it wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's 360. It's more like a 270-degree turn, um, and I would think for the most part it's really for the better, but some of it not so much. But you literally can take any aspect of live entertainment and see a huge difference uh, from the way it was. And that's all probably happened within the last five to 10 years where it didn't change up until then, probably for 20 or 30 years. Stayed the same throughout the course there. Yeah. It yeah. was pretty much, you know, the same, you know, system, you know, repeat, step and repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the biggest, uh, factor leading into that is technology. Um, without a doubt, that's what's changing the entire face of the industry. And that, and that starts from how we ticket the event to um, right into all the other aspects for um, life safety and, and health during the events, the production, um, all the way through social media, and probably most importantly, um, streaming, streaming music and how that affects the industry so much and how it's changed it. Dan, I think fortunately or unfortunately, I go back to that time even before you started as far <laughs> as a person who went to the events. When, when did it really start changing from just the pure talent that was on the stage and everybody went to hear the music and uh, you know, all the musicians, the vocals, when did it start changing from that to such a show that goes on behind the music and the acoustics and all that stuff? When did that really start to change to be such a major production? Well, that's a great question. Um, And it really has to do, I think, probably, again, when you look at the technology, the audience is much more intelligent um, than it was 50 years ago Mm -hmm. as far as what they want to see. Movies, uh, gaming, every aspect of our lives has changed from, you know, the, the boring just kind of sit and listen or sit and watch kind of a 
um, scenario to it all needs to be interactive. Mm-hmm. Um, the mu- the music nowadays is hectic and frenzied, and the production and every aspect of that follows it. And so people want to be entertained. When they go to a movie and they see the cinematography and all the effects and everything else, they want to see that when they show up to see the Taylor Swift show as well. Well, the, the Taylor Swift show is the example I was going to ask you about. I saw some video when the concert had just started. She was preparing to enter the stage. There was more anticipation about what that entrance was going to be more so than what that song was going to be that she would lead off with. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing production that goes on, particularly from someone of that level. It is. And she is a true entertainer. Yes. She knows how to not only entertain in the live uh, moment, but she also is big on that kind of a thing. The, the whole idea of how she shows up in the city with a different song. Mm-hmm. Um, every city gets one song that another city didn't get. Um, she brings out different artists that might, you know, perform with her, which is another specialty. But she works it from an aspect of building that anticipation mm-hmm. to the point where her fans are in a frenzy for her to come out. Definitely. And then the, the greatest part about it is she doesn't disappoint. When she comes out, she's got uh, basically 28 trucks worth of technology behind her and she she knows how to utilize that all those aspects to give people a really incredible show and the good thing uh, and not to dwell on taylor swift but the good thing about her and you said she's you know she's such a talented performer she's such a talented artist uh if you think about the major acts that you've seen in your time and let's just use taylor swift since she we're talking about her now and she's very current how would you rate her and I'm talking about pure talent as far as her vocal skills and performing skills, where would you rate her? Think about all the great acts you've seen over those years, and where would you rate someone like Taylor Swift? Well, you know, and again, you know, obviously you're asking, you're asking me, and it's my opinion, mm-hmm. but I have to say that she is truly impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, having been able to see parts of her growing up mm-hmm. and growing into the person and the performer she is, um, as you know, we had the um, luxury of having Taylor back here mm-hmm. at Gas South, you know, many years ago when she was much younger. Yes. And you can see such a huge difference in the person, the performer, when she's on stage now from what she she was like when she was here. But she's impressive in so many areas. Um, one of the things that I think y- y- when you're talking about somebody nowadays, there's so many bands that go out there and kind of just phone it in. Right. She works hard. She She's involved in her choreography. She's involved in what the special effects are going to be. Um, but she also, you know, as you know, writes her own music. Yep. She's, uh, you know, bringing it to the table. There's nothing more, um, you know exposing yourself than having to write a piece of music and then put it out there for people to listen to so they can tell you whether or not they like it. Um, it's it's much easier if you're just taking a piece of music from somebody else and you're just the voice. So I think she's up there. I think she really has become um, a, a real, uh, not only a performer, but she delivers messages and she stands for so many good things. I yeah. think it's great that she's 
a role model for yeah. so many girls and people out there. And and whether you're a fan or not, you have to respect what you just alluded to. That that that's a clear talent to me. And and I don't even know if I'm a fan of hers or not, but I, I recognize that is a absolute talent that she displays when she gets out there. So. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things I will I remember when she was here um, years back is after almost every single song, she would almost look like she was amazed that people were clapping for her. <laughs> and she obviously learned that somewhere along the line. They yeah. told her, look, just go ahead and be humble up there and just try to you yeah. know respect the people that are clapping for you. But you know, she no longer does that. She recognizes she the recognize, fact that... Yeah. Yeah. So, Dan, we talk about the changes since you first started in this business in the 80s. Let's go ahead and, uh, and, you know, get the big change out of the way. Probably one of the most recent changes that affected our whole lives, but certainly this business. How did COVID uh, change the concert, uh, the whole large facility gathering business? What, what, what's your impressions of that entire period of time? Um, well, that's a great question. COVID uh, was a wake-up call. Mm -hmm. I mean, it... It obviously affected everybody in the world. It had a huge impact economically, um, but even more so when you dig down into it, the entertainment industry really uh, took huge hits. It identified um, holes that people hadn't seen. Um, there was a whole group of people that were left out that no one ever would have expected when the, the music stopped touring that these support uh personnel, the crews, and everybody that goes along with it as far as selling popcorn, whether it was you know the concession stands or the merchandise, everybody was kind of caught off guard and how much they rely on that industry. The artists obviously are going to be able to take care of themselves, but the, the bands, you saw them release management. Mm -hmm. Zach Brown came out, I think, a month after um, COVID really kind of came into something and announced that he had to let his entire team go, yeah. um, which was hard. He had worked with them for you know, 10, 12, 15 years, but he had to let them go because they just couldn't afford it. So COVID you know, told, showed us all where... Um, we had no support system, no, no net to kind of fall into. And it also showed the, the vulnerability of large gatherings, mm -hmm. you know, bringing people together, um, you know, whether it's regionally or internationally, there's always risk. But clearly that, that was a, a big problem. We needed to rectify it and find solutions to, to be able to do it. When you think about the height of COVID and where we find ourselves today as we tape this podcast, do you think that the uh, entertainment industry, concerts, et cetera, do you think we've rebounded to where we were pre-COVID numbers? Are we getting close, or where would you say we are? Yeah, I'd say we're real close, um, if not, you know, right on with it and moving forward. Um, I think that as far as uh, people getting back out and getting to see the shows, I think you still have yeah. a group of people that mm -hmm. still are a little – concerned about getting out there and getting in the mix. But for the most part, I think we've returned back. I, I believe it. I think people, there was such a, and we've heard this term probably more than it, than it can be useful anymore, but the whole pent-up demand uh, about everything as far as getting out of the house and concerts, going to concerts is part of that. But I do think that did play a large part in that picking back up of crowds coming out again. So, yeah, yeah. I agree. So, Dan, when people uh, hear about a concert that they want to go to, mainly their interest is, you know, how do I get a ticket? How much is it going to cost, et cetera? But when you, when you think about concerts, um, 
who really controls the concert tours that we see? Is it the, the actual venue? Is it the artist? Is it the promoter, a combination of all? Or who, who really is in control of the concerts that come through our towns today? That's a great question. Um, and I'd suspect that, you know, depending on who you'd ask, you'd get a, a <laughs> wide range of answers. Um, but I can tell you, you know, first and foremost, it's not the facility. Yeah. It's not the venue. They're they, at the bottom of the list. Correct. <laughs> they do not get uh, any of the respect that's involved as far as the control goes. Um, but if I'm, if I'm to be completely honest, it's really the artist. Um, they control everything um, from you know, every point of view and they have the ability to do it. And there's some artists, like you mentioned earlier, Taylor mm -hmm. Swift, she's concerned about how her message gets delivered and, you know, all the way through, you know, you, you heard about, I'm sure the, the big thing with her, with the uh, ticketing when her fans were trying to get on and right. get tickets and how it crashed and right. so on and so forth. And she's, you know, very concerned on how that makes her look. Another artist who's really concerned with that is Garth Brooks. Mm -hmm. um, I can tell you from experience and, and uh, being involved with it, Garth is somebody that is on the phone call when his tours go on sale. Hmm. He's on the phone call where everybody's talking and they're, they're saying, okay, this city's doing well, this city sold out, and so on and so forth. And he's monitoring that. And he also watches his ticket prices. Um, so they, they have... Uh, the ability to control every aspect. And obviously their asking price and how right. much they're going to go out for and so on and so forth. And then I think from there um, you have, you know, they have an agent who represents them that tries to, you know, basically act as almost a quarterback coach, if you will. Right. They're kind of feeding them information about the industry and what they may or may want to do. Um, and then the promoter, uh, the promoter has a certain piece of that control as well. Um, but the tour itself, um, people recognize nowadays is so much more important. So the artist really does pay attention. In the old days, it was the album or the CD that mm -hmm. the, the band would put out. And that was their baby. That was their yeah. product. Um, the tour supported that. Nowadays, for the artist to make money, and I mentioned streaming earlier, but the way music is done now with downloads and so on and so forth, they don't really sell their album as a, as they do the, or as they did in the old days. So, the tour represents the biggest, the lion's share of how they make money. Right. So whether it's merchandise, uh, whether it's you know the ticket prices or whatever, they have to watch it across the board because that's in the at the end of the day that's how they're going to be making their money. Yeah, the let, let's use the city of Atlanta uh, area because that's where we're located in. Think about all the venues that are in the Atlanta area. It's a very competitive market for getting, you know, trying to get the best show to come to your building or whatever it might be. How is that actual selection made when a tour announces that they're going to go on tour and they haven't announced the stops yet? How does Dan Markham or how do we as a facility, how do we get our name in the conversation of this would be the place to come? And how does that all finally work out? as far as the venue selection being made? That's another great question. Um, as you pointed out, Atlanta is a, a place onto its, you know, its own. And, you know, anybody in the entertainment industry will tell you that as well. Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's, it needs its own entertainment reporter and entertainment uh, uh, 
sky zone, if you will, because just trying to, you know, watch what's actually happening and navigate the, uh, the particulars, the ins and the outs. But um, from a standpoint of getting in front of the, the artists and letting them know, it's basically done in many different ways. One of the things is obviously communication and networking. Tons of phone calls mm-hmm. are made. Um, the communication with the agent, with the artists themselves, maybe sometimes their management. Um, I know that you've met over the years. You've met people with either Zach Brown or mm-hmm. so on and so forth, and you've yep. talked to the bands, and yep. you've been actually you know part of their conversations. And so many times, it may just take someone in the background, in the in the bands. Um, you know, the, the artist band or maybe just someone in their crew that says, you know, have you thought about going to Gas South? You know, they've got this really neat, you know, particular thing that is better than other places. And you try to make the, the, the case for standing out. Recognizing that, that we're not inside Atlanta, one of the things that we've been able to do is really focus on, you know, two aspects. Making it easy for the, the patron to come here and see an event. Um, you know that, you know, the, the big, huge thing in downtown is trying to find parking and, and getting right. through all that. Right. You know, one of the things that we really were able to take advantage of that you oversaw was the, the parking mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. We've got 5,000 parking spots w- all within two to 300 yards of the front door. Exactly. Um, and so people don't have to walk six, eight, 10 blocks to get into the building. They don't have to pay $50 to park their car. That's a big important part. They're safe, their vehicles are safe while they're here. That makes a big difference to the fan. To the to the artist, that's yeah. not so important. Right. But the other aspects of that is, is that they can sell quicker. They know if they put the show on sale, it'll sell better at Gas South. So we go in and we, we make sure that they know we're really um, key in certain genres and and that they'll you know focus on those and and give us shows and and put them in there the other aspect of that is is uh the building itself um making sure they know stuff there's just very uh different parameters around every building you go into uh for example we're known as a mid-size arena we're in the 10 to 12,000 um seat category which fits inside the 10 to 15,000 is how they rate them and yet we're able to fly the biggest shows as far as load support on production when we talk about flying it we're talking about all the stuff that has to be rigged in the building Mm -hmm. our building is rated for 200,000 pounds across the whole structure which the heaviest show out there basically is taps out at about 185,000 pounds. And you can remember when we did U2 mm-hmm. and Paul McCartney, they were two of the biggest shows that had ever toured. And one of the first comments were uh, that we can't go into that building because it wouldn't support the yeah. show and we could That's eat not the case. right out of the gate we were <laughs> able to you know take that off the board and say hey the way the building was designed with these two superstructure beams that are located outside the building we can support 200,000 and that's one of the reasons why we don't have a, a center hung scoreboard yeah. that takes away from a lot of the yeah. rigging capability and the weight and also you know how they put the show in there yeah and and then it comes down to just sometimes watching i mean um, there was a, an example recently with Zach Bryan um, Zach Bryan was a YouTube sensation years ago, just three or four years ago. He was a YouTube guy. And my son happened to be listening to him, and he just off, made an offhand comment that you should watch this guy. He's going to be really 
big. Mm-hmm. And so I just started listening to him and watching him, and I kept putting it out there and telling everybody that would listen, hey, if, when this guy goes for the arena uh, market, we want to be in. Mm-hmm. And so when he actually came up and was there, they were, we were already right, you right. know, in the in the mix, yeah. and so they we ended up getting, as you know, yeah. two sold out shows from that, and so they were you know, phenomenal. Yeah, and it was that that part of it, you know, as you get in front of it. So we spend a lot of time looking at bands. We'll we'll contact their either their agents or their management, um, just trying to you know put them out there and put it in front and try to offer a scenario that they'll you know like to commit and do, but. The, the bottom line, as you know, is money, yeah. and that's where it really comes down. So if you can yeah. find a way to bring them in and, you know, they, they, are, they, they can earn their, their keep, their money, yep. then they'll be happy. Yeah. Dan, uh, here in, in Gwinnett, uh, one of the things we brag about, and rightfully so, uh, is the sense of diversity we have in our county. And, you know, we've been described as maybe being one of the diverse, most diverse counties in the entire country. Mm-hmm. So when you think about the entertainment aspect of a demographic such as that, where you can make such a claim, how do you juggle uh, trying to bring in acts that would be interesting to Hispanic, Asian, uh, whatever it might be, people who like country music, people who like uh, K-pop, whatever it might be, how do you balance those literal books to make sure you, you know, that you're bringing acts in front of people uh, all different types of people based on what their musical interest might be. It's uh, it's a challenge yeah. day in and day out, yeah. you know. And as you said, you have to, you're, you know, we're we're you know stewards of the community, and we want to make sure. I mean, the whole principle behind um, convention centers and arenas and, and so on and so forth, way back when, were civic venues to to mm-hmm. bring people together. Yeah. And as you pointed out, you've got to be able to. Um, adjust your uh, events so that they're they're accommodating the people of your marketing area. You know, inside your demo, you know your your uh, particular range of marketing. Um, but it it also becomes more of a factor where you can break them up not only by genre but by the type of event. You don't want to put uh, two similar shows next to each other because they'd end up cannibalizing each other, right. and so you'd end up right. with half the people at each show. So you've got to kind of spread it out across the board there. And um, if you remember that old game Tetris mm-hmm. years ago where the blocks kind of <laughs> you flipped them around yeah. and they would fall down into a thing and you could you know fill up, that's really the way we equate it. I mean, it is a constant game of Tetris in trying to take that and, you know, we may have three rodeos that want to come in here and, you know, we have to kind of look at it and across the board and say, okay, when can we put them in here and will that fit in front of this, this, or this? And then once you even look at that aspect, you have to take a look at the um, changeover and the conversion times in order to be able to change from event to event. Um, We've done a fantastic job here at Gas South. Our, Our... staff and our um, team is just incredible at being able to turn these things around and offer such a wide range of different types of events. Um, As you know, we have two in-house partners, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that do a lot of events here. The, the gladiators do 36 home games um, before they get into the playoffs and the Georgia swarm do nine home games before they even get into the playoffs and base that on the the year. You kind of have to focus, 
focus around how they're going right. to affect the schedule. And then you kind of assert and you take anchors uh, for other things. And then you have to constantly be, be ready for the event that's going to come up uh, that's going to change everything so you can get it. Yeah. Dan, you mentioned when you were uh, talking about the displeasure that some artists have had with the whole ticketing situation without going into details or trying to get crossed up about who's right, who's wrong. What is the major issue that we keep hearing about uh, to, to the point that the Justice Department is involved in it? What is the issue uh, concerning how tickets are being sold in this country now that has caused, caused this upheaval that we, we keep hearing about that continues to drag on involving so many well-known entities who are involved in that business? Mm-hmm. It's um, it's really kind of uh, it's a knowledge based scenario. The, the there's certain information being put out that I you know it may not be completely correct. I mean, it's easy to blame the ticketing companies because they're the, the they look like the bad guy because they're collecting this money you know for the for the events. And it's easy to label it as, you know, junk fees, as some of the, the Biden administration have looked at, you mm-hmm. know, with the um, equate it with plane fees for baggage and so right. on and so forth. Right. But the the event industry it takes quite a bit of technology, as we mentioned earlier. I mean, that's been the, the huge driving component over the years and the research and the ability to. Um, effectively sell tickets and get people uh, tickets in hand. You were mentioning how long you've, you've been around watching shows, but right. you can remember they used to get a roll ticket oh, yeah. and hand it to you and yeah. you got in and yeah. you know, you paid your $7. Well, now, I mean, they, people don't even get a ticket. They it's sent to their phone. It's dropped in some kind of a wallet mm-hmm. and then they get information based on that. You know, here's a good restaurant to eat. Here's different information. Here's how you can critique the event on social media here. How, here's how you can buy the artists, you know, merchandise or their, their albums and their music and so on and so forth. So that technology costs a lot of money to develop and build. And so they've kind of stepped in, into it in a place where, um, everyone's looking at the ticketing companies as the, the problem, and it, it, it really isn't the case because when these shows go out, there's a certain amount of money that's going to be made after the artist claims they're going to make X amount of dollars per mm-hmm. event, yeah. and they're going to pay for this, this, and this. And then everything else has to be picked up by either the facility or the promoter or so on and so forth. And so everybody kind of equally is in that, and they're all trying to – um, balance that that revenue of sorts, and so. Well, it seems like the the situation that you're talking about today, it just didn't start. I mean, it's been going on for a while, and it would reach a level, uh, and then it would sort of, you know, calm back down a little bit. But it does seem like it's at a very high level right now. How do, how do you see this thing coming to some sort of resolution? Well, I do think they need to look to control it a little bit better. And I know that, um, you know, we mentioned earlier that uh, there's nothing like um, Taylor Swift fans to to bring something to the attention of everybody else. And when they had a problem, um, they saw that, you know, that they couldn't get their tickets. They started raising cane and they didn't mind paying the the fees or paying for the tickets whatever they were going to cost but they couldn't just even find the tickets so they they kind of pointed out and put a, a target on it and said hey look there's a problem here and as you mentioned this this 
isn't new. Um, it's come up and gone away. I mean, it, it's going to take, um, I think, all the groups together, working together to figure out, you know, how to actually best deliver ticketing to the people um, and, and effectively everyone's still getting a piece of the pie so you can keep doing it. Um, yeah. No one group owns everything. You know, the artists need the buildings because they don't have big giant arenas or stadiums to go and perform in, um, you know, short of Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, so they need to be able to go in. We've got to be able to keep our lights on mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So we need money to do it. The promoter needs to you know, get paid back for his marketing efforts and all the stuff he's doing along the way. So I think it's going to take a collective effort for everybody to step up and just say, you know, this is how we need to change it. Well, it's an interesting thing just to follow as a, you know, as an outside observer watching the whole back and forth between all the various parties are involved in. So it'll be interesting to see how it works out. Uh, I won't tell you how old I am, but if people are listening, I'm going to give you a story that they can do the math and just about figure it out. But talking about how you used to get your ticket, um, I remember sleeping two nights in the parking lot of a Turtles record store to walk into the record store when it opened up to get tickets to see ZZ Top at Fulton County Stadium in Atlanta. So if anybody's got a calculator out there, it'll be real easy to tell about how old I am. But it certainly has come a long way from that way of getting tickets, as you said, the way it's done today. It's a, it's a dramatic change as far as the way things have gone a little bit. That's true. Uh, so the other question, Dan, I wanted to ask you about uh, how the whole process has evolved a little bit from where you started to where you see it as today. Where do you see the concert business going moving forward? What do you, what do you think's in store? Uh, if we, you said it went through a period of 20 years, it was about the same. Then it started making, making some very dramatic changes. What do you see it changing to as we move forward and it keeps evolving? Uh, in my opinion, I think actually we're going to kind of see it. It's going to go through an evolution, but I really see it modeling itself almost over um, back to the shows of the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. Remember the radio shows yeah. that used to go out with Buddy Holly? Several acts in one right. show, yeah. And I think with the drive and the push with festivals and the whole – um, kind of a complete package of an experience, I think it's going to drive it more towards that. And, you know, hand in hand with that are people's attention span and also their their ability that they may like an artist for two songs, but, you know... They don't, hear, they don't need to hear the new album, right? Right. They don't listen to a whole album. <laughs> exactly. You know, they only grab the songs that they want. So I think what you're going to see is, is groups of artists come together, maybe with a DJ, which is obviously that's playing right oh, into yeah. the hand because yeah. a lot of concerts go out with that now, um, and maybe a host. And basically they package them up and it's like a mini festival um, because you have the Coachellas and the Bonnaroos and all that. People want to go and be seen. They want to have a, an experience. They want maybe a day or two or three days of an, a total experience, mm -hmm. get the merchandise yep. and kind of live out, you know, some kind of a, a fantasy or whatever they want to do as far as that show goes. So I do see it kind of going back to that. It's going to get away from the day of having 
of just a headliner and an opening act, which yeah. is what we're so familiar right, with. Right, um, For many years now. Yeah, I think, so, and yeah. I mean, uh, for so many years that they've done it, and they've always aligned that that opening act has either some relationship with the, the headliner or it complements them. Mm-hmm. And I think that th- that's where they're starting to see that that makes a sense because if you can put the headliner that draws X amount of tickets with um, an opening act that draws a certain amount of tickets and you get your sellout, that's a total success. They're, they're, they're thrilled. And you're starting to see that, as you said, more often now, uh, some, some concert will go on sale where there, there probably is a main act but there's two or three other people on there that it, and you know, at any given time they would have been the main act. So, putting that whole package together is just such a bigger draw. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And you, we've also seen it where there's an up and coming artist. You know, when mm-hmm. we did Muse years ago, we had Cage the Elephant mm-hmm. uh, as an opening act, and we really saw a lot of ticket sales. Probably the same amount of ticket sales for Cage the Elephant that we did for Muse. So, you know, it was, it was a great pairing, and people got what they wanted to see. Absolutely. Well, Dan, let me put you on the spot, and you can answer it or not answer it, but think about all the times that you've been involved in concerts going back from your start to where you are today. What's the best show you've ever seen? Uh, that's, a, that's a hard question to answer, I guess. Um, you know, you've always got those bucket list shows that you either wanted to go see or do or something like that, and I think... For me, it comes down to probably, um, I guess it's the time of your life that you're in as well. Mm -hmm. Because as I mentioned, I've been doing this since, you know, I was uh, very young. (laughs) And, and, you know, there's a, you know, a point where just having an event like, you know, doing Peter Gabriel's rehearsals and his show was like a huge factor in my life. But I'd be remiss if I didn't say, I mean, here at Gas South, I checked many boxes, but without a doubt, having a Beatle in the building, bringing Paul McCartney wow. here, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, without a doubt, will, will always be a, a huge phenomenal. memory. Um, getting to bring you two in. Uh, that was huge. I mean, just again, the experience about this band is everything about them, you know, is just huge. Um, but I think that from my perspective, the best show, the package, everything that was incredible was James Taylor and Carol King. It was, you know, it's, it's kind of the music I like to listen to to begin with. And they had so much fun and were so thrilled to be here. Both of them were just exceptionally nice and great people. Um, I I mean, I was able to forge a a friendship with James Taylor. He's been back three times Mm -hmm. since then, and each time knows my name, very comfortable. But also during the show, they took a moment, um, not, not far off from what Michael Buble did recently, but they stopped the show and they were talking to each other and James was able to say to Carol, he goes, you know, Carol, I got to admit, this is not the Troubadour, but totally, is this not the best arena you've ever played in? <laughs> and he took a moment to talk about it. He goes, it's like a little mini arena. He goes, it's so intimate. The people upstairs feel like they're right on, you know, right yeah. next to us as well. And he kind of got the vibe that we do put out there is that this is, you know, it's an arena, but it's still an intimate setting. You can still feel comfortable. And their setup was perfect for that. And I think just from that aspect, it was, you know, a great night and everybody enjoyed themselves. It was a great show. If you think about some of those uh, acts, though, Dan, that have lived on through our years for sure, 
and even before us, think about the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and you can think of four or five more that just continue to still bring in crowds after 30, 40, 50 years. Do you think that's going to be a trend that will continue, or do you think some of the acts that are so popular today, do you think they can have that lifetime that these old acts have had, or do you think that's a changing phenomenon? No, I don't think they can. Yeah. I think I think in the next five years you're going to see kind of a, a big change, and that's one of the reasons why I think it goes back to that radio-style show mm-hmm. I'm talking about because yeah. I don't think – a lot of the artists today, with the exception of a Taylor Swift or something like that, has the staying power of the Who or, you know, Billy Joel or Elton John. Yeah. I think once, you know, they stop touring, which Elton's already called it quits, um, everybody else says it's they're quitting or yeah. close to it. Yeah. Um, they just, uh, I don't think they, they have the same thing these days for the artists. Yeah. I think it's too quickly to change. I think it is, too. Dan, that's all the time we have today. I appreciate you being with us, and uh, we certainly appreciate everything you do here, but thank you so much. Thank you, Stan. That's all the time we have today. Be sure to check out GasSouthDistrict.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can find all episodes of Gas South Districts, That's the Ticket, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for being with us. We'll return soon for the next episode of That's the Ticket. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. For show notes and further information about Gas South District and upcoming events, please visit our website at gassouthdistrict.com. That's the ticket.